0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 388 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe?
1: You know Todd, we're just 3 months away from episode 400.
0: Oh my God! Does that and mean then do we,
1: anything anymore?
0: I don't know. We don't we have to go back? Don't we have to have a fresh rebirth or something after that?
1: We're, we're going to do like a refreshing or something. I don't know if we're going to go back uh, to a new number one. We're going to arbitrarily pick some new number.
0: I don't know. I think we should like powder our delicate
1: areas and stuff like that. Oh my goodness! Now, when I do put the episodes up. Um, I don't know if I'd been doing this the, at the very least since, you know, it's been Longbox Heroes. Um, I always put the date and the episode number in there. Mm-hmm. So even if we just went to date, you know.
0: Oh, day and date.
1: Right. There was no episode number. It was just like, here is the, you know, March 7th episode and the March 14th episode and the whatever, whatever, whatever. Right.
0: Right. Well, we'd have to still make it a number one. Right, so we, that's how you get new numbers. It's like, oh, we're the June 14th, 2018, number one.
1: What if every episode was just a number one?
0: Oh, it'd be a jumping on point every week.
1: I am still fascinated by people that tell me that, um, and now it's, it's one thing for them to say, oh, hey, I'm a little behind in the show. I'm getting caught up, you know? Mm -hmm. It's another thing for them to say, hey, I saved a bunch of your episodes because I'm going on a trip this weekend and I want to listen to several of your episodes in a row.
0: There's nothing better than on vacation than listening to the two of us.
1: Right, especially with the whole family.
0: Oh. Young children love the sound of our voices.
1: Right. We're great for uh, ages eight to God only knows.
0: That's right.
1: But no, it's... i have people that tell me they're like oh i'm just a few episodes behind and then they'll bring something up from the episode so it's like ah they actually are listening they're not just saying that they're listening to make me feel better about myself
0: my favorite thing is when we we do the show and then the next day it goes up at midnight and then i see you at the shop the next day and i'm like somebody tweeted this what does it mean what did we say yesterday (laughs) Because I can't retain knowledge.
1: Right. I was actually going through a bunch of my kids' uh, papers. And uh, I found notes mixed in with them from an old uh, Gallifrey Birds.
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I have my whole... I crumbled it up
1: and threw it across the room. Why?
0: That's, that should have went to the Longbox Heroes Library. <laughs>
1: the museum that they're building in our honor? Oh,
0: oh that would be fantastic. <laughs> Black t-shirts and ink pens. And...
1: I would burn it down on principle.
0: I it would probably fall over on its own if it has anything to do with this show.
1: If it's as structurally sound as you and I, <laughs> yes, that's it'll right. collapse under its own weight.
0: That's right. Bad knees and bad hearts.
1: So, Todd, what do we got on today's show? Comic book related. Enough of this chit chat.
0: That's right. Uh, in our news section, just shuffling new books, new creators. That's you know, there's so many I can't even get into it. And also, uh, DC offers retailers a gimmick for their 25-cent books, I find quite interesting.
1: Oh, a gimmick, brother, huh?
0: Oh, you love gimmicks. Uh, con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Saga 49 and The Terrifics Number 1. And also, we have a preview-review book this week, Joe.
1: That's right, the return of the preview-review book. There was discussion that we were going to try to do preview-review book every week, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I think by doing it when there's like a big release coming out, like a new hot number one, I think it means a little bit more, so we'll see how that works.
0: I do, too. Um, Also, what we're looking forward to this week, um, also we have Heart Attack, and at the end we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of both Flash and Legends of Tomorrow.
1: Todd, I heard people are excited of our talk of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Todd, I heard you're excited to talk about Uh, Legends of Tomorrow this week.
0: Oh, you know what? I wish we could just throw everything between now and Legends of Tomorrow talk right in the garbage. Right in the garbage and get to what the masses want. Well, the masses want
1: to hear us talk about all the new stuff that's coming out in comic books.
0: Okay, then we'll do a little bit of that first. Okay.
1: Uh, so, let's get into some of the DC stuff, since that's a little bit more interesting, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So, there's a bunch of stuff that was definitely announced over at Emerald City Comic-Con this past weekend. Um, and it was confirmed that Neil Gaiman has kind of signed off on a separate Sandman imprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it doesn't appear as though Neil is going to be writing anything but there's going to be four new books uh, spinning out of the uh, Sandman universe starting in the summer with a new number one. Um, And what's it going to be? It's going to be um,
0: Books of Magic, Timothy Hunter. Books of Magic,
1: a Lucifer book.
0: Which they already have an ongoing. of right, House of Whispers. Which is going to be the third house next to the House of Mystery and the House of Secrets.
1: And The Dreaming.
0: Right, which they already had a book of.
1: Um, and there's going to be now the one shot that's going to launch this in August uh, is going to be plotted by Neil Gaiman, and then each of the uh, writers of each of these said st- series is 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 uh, Nello Hopkinson, Cat Howard, uh, Cy Spurrier, and Dan Waters are going to be doing each of these individual books. Right. So, I guess Todd, what is uh i guess your feelings on all of this
0: um bit of a cash grab. Bit of, hopefully it'll be really good, because I know we've, we've, I think we've argued a little bit over stuff like this at the comic shop. I'm one of those like, when we get an event from anywhere, and we're like, oh, we're spinning four brand new titles out of this, I'm usually of the mind, maybe we'll get one really good one, a la Starman slash Zero Hour, or uh, I'm trying to think of what the uh, hitman from bloodlines but usually they're they're not so good but vertigo has a higher bar for me um not as recent but in the past but the whole thing where neil gaiman is like oh I'm going to plot it I think just kind of dilutes it a little bit but the part that really intrigues me is I like the fact that they're like oh well here's kind of the, the the synopsis daniel The Sandman is missing. So that means all these people who are writing these books, nobody gets to write Sandman um, because he's missing. And we'll see how many of the rest of the Endless show up. Or if they're like we've discussed in the past that Neil says, no, I don't let, you know, too many people not use Sandman. I don't have a decree, but here it is books that nobody seems like they're going to be using any of the big Endless characters. So I'm going to try them, but I don't have super high hopes for them, if that makes any sense?
1: I'm definitely going to try the one-shot. Um, I, I, And obviously, uh, this is, I. you mentioned it's a bit of a, you feel as though it's a bit of a cash grab. Mm-hmm. I feel as though it's a bit of a cash grab a little too late. Uh, this, I think, should have been something that followed on the heels of that most recent Um, miniseries. Overture. Right. I think it should have followed up on that. Like, on the heels of that. And obviously that ended up being late and everything else like that. But I think if these books spun out of that, it would feel a little bit more natural. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas these are just kind of spinning out of nothing. Um, Right. I guess it's Vertigo's... It's around the time of Vertigo's 30th anniversary
0: right i think well, it's think coming it's 30th up next anniversary.
1: year right so it's kind of in the ballpark of that um and it, yeah it's it just, makes so it's just a it's weird timing is what it is
0: it makes me wonder too if there's a super secret uh sandman project in the works for at least the 30th anniversary do you know what i mean like that neil's gonna do like even if it's one issue or something just, I don't know. But like I said, I am a sucker for Vertigo. I remember when Vertigo was the thing and whatever they put out, I was going to buy. I remember buying Mobfire, the comic, the miniseries. <laughs> I remember vi- buying Nevada. I remember buying... uh uh what was it creatures of the night was that it by paul uh paul chadwick i re- i could go down the list of minis uh miniseries that i bought just because they were vertigo so i like i said i'm going to give all these books a try
1: right but again hey listen dc is uh trying some stuff you know uh, yes they got are some different creators in there um obviously it'd be i think it'd be a bigger hit if they were able to get neil to confirm to actually do a full book
0: Oh, yeah, but he's not giving up his Hollywood stuff for Sandman or anything like that.
1: Now, in addition to this, uh, in be- kind of an in-between um, Vertigo and DC, it looks as though they're looking to do another imprint. And I say in-between because you've got the young animal imprint, and that's what DC is kind of going for now, all these different imprints, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got Young Animal, you've got Bendis, who's doing um, a different imprint. He's announced two books that are coming out through Jinx World at DC, but then also there's going to be a separate imprint that's coming out. And then there's discussion that there's going to be um, an, uh, kind of an Elseworlds imprint as well, mm-hmm. based on the success of that Batman, White Knight, um, you know, Nightwing, New World Order, those sort of books. Where that's going to be a more dedicated line of books. To go along with what we had talked about a couple of weeks ago in the show, where they're also going to be having those two kids and young adult lines as well. Mm-hmm. You cannot fault DC for at least trying some different stuff.
0: And no, you can't. And on that, on the heels of that White Knight, that White Knight is huge right now. Um, I mean,. And I'm enjoying it, I'm reading it, um, and I think you know there are, he was already talking they were already talking about doing a sequel to White Knight, and I think there is room for more adult oriented superhero stories and i find it funny it's kind of like and i can't wait to see them go you know you know what we need we need darker john constantine stories and swamp thing so let's move them from the dc line to the to the new like you know black label line or whatever they're going to call it and i'm like we could have just left them in vertigo <laughs> but uh i see i see some interesting things Coming and it would be like Elseworld slash like out of continuity stories. Like, and I'd be for it, I'd be all down for it,
1: right? And I got no problem with that doing separate Elseworlds out of continuity, whatever you know, have you books, right? Bring mm-hmm. that back. I think, um, with DC doing the Elseworlds books as their direct to DVD things recently, I know they did a Red Rain and I know they did, uh, Got Them by Gaslight by recently. Gaslight, yes. So maybe the White Knight success combined with the success of those is making them think to do that. So I'll come back to this. So we've got the Sandman imprint, which seems to be as though it's going to be separate from Vertigo. It's going to be, kind of be its own thing. You've got Young Animal. You've got Bendis doing his own thing. Uh, and you've got this possible, you know, Elseworlds thing. Is this possibly... DC going away from the Vertigo branding seeing that the Vertigo branding isn't what it used to be.
0: Um no, because I think the Sandman books are their own animal that you could still have Vertigo and you want something the black label to separate the super because the superheroes didn't really go into the Vertigo. I think in my mind in a way it all works. The way the way they're going to do it is you have your DC books, you have your young, your young, uh, whether they're the young animals or whatever for the for the younger people, then you have uh, the black label for a more adult superhero stuff which I'm actually wondering if Mr. Miracle would fall into the Black Label line. Like, that. you know what I mean?
1: Right, it going to get, like, repurposed when it comes out in trade or something.
0: Right, so you have that story, and then you have your Vertigo stuff that you can do all the time, and then you just have, because Vertigo was all-encompassing, but then all these Sandman characters fall into their own little world, if you know what I mean. Right. So it, it just seems like a good, a good plan. The only thing I'm worried is that they're sh- going to stretch themselves a little thin on publishing. Like, you have, that's a lot of br- imprints to have fl- flying at one time.
1: Right, and it could be no more different than Warner's just deciding instead of having lesser Editors, And I don't mean like lesser quality, but a lesser number of editors handle all of these different books if they were all under just the plain DC banner. But by having them be their own separate imprints, they might get a little bit more money from Warner, be able to have a little bit more dedicated of a staff. Because back in the day, you'd have editors and writers and creators and so on and so forth doing multiple books at DC, multiple books at Vertigo. And, you know, editors might get worked too hard, whatever it might be, but by having these separate imprints set up, maybe you could just hire people to, like, your focus is just this. Your Mm -hmm. focus is just these four books. Don't worry about Batman, don't worry about Superman, that's covered, and still be able to pay those people a decent wage.
0: See, I don't know what you're trying to say, because Vertigo and DC's proper were always two different things.
1: Right, but I understand that, but I'm sure, like, there was your managing editor at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Then every book would have an editor. Right. And I'm sure there were editors that were handling DC properties, multiple DC properties, Vertigo properties, and multiple Vertigo properties. You follow what I'm saying?
0: I do, but I think it was more if you were a DC editor, you were doing multiple DC properties. And if you, I can't really think of too many editors that were doing crossovers from Vertigo to DC. It, those were like two different, the way I always saw it, and I, when I used to get, let me name drop here a little bit, uh, Joe. When I used to go to the offices with a certain artist, like Vertigo was on their own floor. Okay, and then the Superman offices were on their own floor. The Batman offices were on their own floor, and then everything else was on another floor.
1: You say by putting out all these different lines, they might be spreading themselves too thin from a pub- publishing standpoint. I'm just trying to figure out think not okay out loud based on nothing, maybe that could be part of the reason why they're doing it this way, or maybe even part of the reason why. They could be spreading themselves too thin. Just thinking aloud, based on nothing.
0: Right, but I wasn't thinking of it from the from the. Uh, all right, maybe I misspoke the way I said it. From the publishing side, that's a lot of product to put to put out.
1: Right. And
0: I think it's more from the customer side you're going to have a problem. It's like I collect a lot of DC and I collect a lot of this, but that's a lot of books to be – to me it's it almost seems to be like we don't just want the superhero market. We want the kids market, the, the older person market. We want it all, and that's what they're going for. And I don't know if there's that much market to to buy their stuff, if you're getting what I'm saying.
1: Well, and again, we're spending a lot of time on this, but I got no problem with that. We talk about these small successes that DC has been having. You said that the Batman White Knight book is such a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, one can imagine conversations with retailers, uh, maybe other feedback that they're getting from somewhere. It's like, okay, well, this is a market that we could tap a little bit more. Uh, the DC superhero girls thing has been huge. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why they're going a little bit different route with the kids and the young adult publishing. Maybe, you know, obviously whatever the deal with the Sandman stuff is, is this. And maybe the stuff with the young animal stuff is this. And as you're saying, they want it all. If you're in publishing, if you're in whatever, and you don't want it all, then what are you doing?
0: Right, but I'm not saying, wanting it all is a good thing.
1: Wanting a piece of it all.
0: Right, wanting a piece of it all. And it also comes down to, do you know why it's all working? Is because a lot of what you're doing is good right now. The more you do and the more you bring you better bring in you better bring in the talent is what I is what I'm saying. Well is because what will sell is what is good. Mm-hmm. And just copying more of what you're doing doesn't make things good. I'm hoping everything is good. Except
1: for my wallet. But um but you know what I'm trying to say? Like right. you could you We've talked about this so many times before. That you and I, I think, as you know, long-term, long-time comic book readers, would like for every comic to be good. Whether or not it's something that we read or not, there's just mm-hmm. things that don't click for you, or don't click for me, or don't click for whomever this is listening. But the more bad comics that get put out, and not even bad comics, like bad comics can be entertaining in their own way, shape, or form. And again, not to cast aspersions, but what was that Neil Adams written and drawn Batman book oh, a couple years ago?
0: Odyssey. Woo. Okay,
1: so Batman Odyssey, as bad as that may or may not have been, it gave a lot of people a lot of material to work with. Mm-hmm. Putting out middle-of-the-road stuff is worse than putting out bad stuff, in my opinion. If you're putting out something that gets no reaction, does not move the needle one way or the other, it just g- comes out and goes and no one ever knew it existed, then you've wasted everyone's time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm hoping that doesn't happen with DC and all these imprints. I hope I everything too. finds an audience and I hope everything is good. Right. I'm just trying to figure out as we've, you know, kind of the questions have come up with this. You know, are they going to spend end up spend, sp- spreading themselves too thin and stuff of that nature?
0: Right.
1: So just one last bit of uh, DC stuff before we continue and move on to all the stuff that Marvel is putting out. Speaking of tons and tons of new books, uh, with the upcoming DC Nation number zero, which is kind of going to be their launching point for the summer. Um, you know, kind of the fallout of metal Uh, The next big storyline for Batman, the first published stuff of Bendis as a a glimpse of his Man of Steel stuff that he's going to be doing. It's a 25-cent issue, so it's priced to move at your local retailer. Uh, But DC is also offering a deal where if the retailer orders 5,000 copies or more, then they can get their information printed in the back of the book.
0: You can get a coupon, you can get just information, whatever you want,
1: I guess. Right. You get a little thing on the cover. Um, and you get, you know, whatever you want on the back. You know, as you mentioned, coupon, big ad for your store, whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of cool. I think that's the first time that DC's ever done something like that.
0: I think so. I know DC's, yeah, I don't think DC's really done anything like that. I, I know Marvel has, like, they have all the different interesting, Uh, like uh, valiant had and there was the godzilla one where you can get your store crushed um but i i think this is this is the first dc one
1: right and actually if i remember from a couple weeks ago um when our friend of the uh friend of the show power listener chad gave us those variants from his store uh comic book you out in indiana all of those variants were either archie or marvel like those store variants or Archie, or Marvel, or IDW, as you mentioned. You know, this is not something that DC, I don't think, has ever done.
0: I don't know. I think they might have. I've seen maybe some, I wonder if fried, is a Fried Pie? Have you ever heard of them? No. There's a, Fried Pie seems to be somebody who gets their own covers. I don't know if they're a store or what, but I see them in Books A Million when I go in every
1: once in a while. That's what you get for going into Books A Million.
0: Hey, that's where I got my first Dr. Funko exclusive from San Diego Comic-Con. I will go into Books-A-Million.
1: Right. Now, it looks like Fried Pie might have their own separate deal set up. Right. Uh, Because they have, according to their website, they've got like Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, IDW, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right. Well, I was just throwing out that maybe they have.
1: Right, but what I'm saying is like that's a one store variant as opposed to something that DC is offering as an option to every retailer. Fair enough. Yeah. So again, it's not exclusive. It's not the first time that uh, DC has done it, but it's the first time that they've offered it at such a large quantity to all retailers. Right. So, DC out of the way, let's get into everything that Marvel has, and as I was going over the list of the stuff that I had sent over to you, I forgot about some of the other stuff even. And What I'm just going to do is I'm just going to kind of run through everything mm-hmm. and uh, see what strikes your fancy, what okay, you want to discuss, I, or whatever.
0: I love when I have my fancy stricken.
1: Mm-hmm. So we talked last week about Donnie Cates, uh, he's doing the new Venom book. He's also, I guess, uh, doing the Cosmic Ghost Rider book, which is replacing Thanos on the schedule for a couple issues. Um, but he's leaving Doctor Strange. Mark Wade is taking over the Doctor Strange book. He did that Doctor Strange miniseries back in the, uh, early 2000s. Uh, Mark Wade is also doing an Ant-Man and Wasp miniseries, uh, right in time for the Ant-Man and Wasp movie. Uh, it is, uh, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, and Nadia, the, uh, New Wasp as a team there. Excuse me. Uh, Te- uh, Tanisha Coates. And again, I apologize for the mispronunciation mispronunci- of his name. Uh, with Francis Little U is taking over Captain America. Uh, from Mark Wade, who will be leaving that book. I'm going to try to like do this as everyone's moving around. Uh, reminder, of course. I-, I Remember this one? I was thinking about this one today. It was announced a couple months ago. And then kind of has fallen through the cracks of all these other announcements mm-hmm. that Dan Slott is going to be taking over the Iron Man book with Bendis leaving it. Right. And then taking over Spider-Man is going to be Nick Spencer with Ryan Otley doing the art there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and also we have Jeff Lemire doing a Sentry book, hmm. which was kind of out of nowhere. Because uh, I thought with him being off Thanos and doing all that stuff at DC, that he was like, you know, and obviously all of his creator creator own stuff. He's got like three creator own books at Image. He's got the uh, Black Hammer universe stuff over at DC. He's doing dozens and dozens of books over at Valiant. I thought his uh, Marvel output put had been done, but here we go. He's doing a Sentry book.
0: That's right. He's he's stolen the soul of Chuck Dixon. He can do it all. Don't you worry. <laughs> Um out of all those I'm very interested in the Doctor Strange uh by Mark Waid. spoiler alert I'm a big fan of Mark Wade I'll always fo- follow him around Um the I I'll, I'll try the Ant-Man uh Wasp mini because it's only a mini and it's and it's Mark Wade Um the Lemire Century I have no interest in
1: oh really
0: I've never read a century comic I, I, I barely, all I know is the century somebody who has this weird dark side character, like a dark half of them, the void or whatever, and he's like the Superman kind of like character Mm -hmm. for Marvel. That's all I know. When Bendis was doing him on Avengers, I think, writing him on Avengers, I wasn't reading it. So I've never, all I know is he throws people into the sun. That's all I know.
1: He just threw one person in the sun. I already threw two. I know one for sure, but then they got better because they're in Spider-Man right now,
0: right? And didn't he didn't he rip uh, Carnage in half?
1: Right. Well, that's yeah. He ripped Carnage in half and then threw him into the sun, but then okay. uh, he got better.
0: Okay. So that that's one. And to tell you the truth, the one that I'm I'm not even looking forward to at all is the Captain America one because I tried uh, the, that uh, as you mispronounced his name coats i'm gonna say it too um i tried his black panther and i thought it was very dull and dry Hmm. so um i think because he's a writer of novels and he was taking too long and he was very like and i granted wakanda and he's a king and it was very political i was just like just get to some action please i i did hear
1: somebody else who was reading it say that it did take him a little while to kind of find his groove as a comic book writer, but he's there now. Um, right. I'll definitely check out the first issue because I like Captain America. I've been liking the stuff that uh, Wade has been doing, of course. Um,
0: I've been I've been souring on what Wade's doing in this run of of Captain America yeah. right now. The future stuff. Okay. And I'm willing to give it's him his one issue. Ah, uh, just. I know, I did not like I just when it was I was like I did not like it. Gotcha. Did not like it. Now I do I think this is all a clever ruse and that he's not really in the future or something. I'm willing to give Mark Wade the benefit of the doubt and he's only going a couple more issues. Mm. So I will I will try it, but I'm not I did I actually really didn't like that last issue of Cap. Oh.
1: It was definitely the weakest of the ones that Wade has done since taking over the book, yes.
0: I'm waiting for the big the the big nine ninety nine issue, the, the centennial issue that we're getting. So that's what I'm really
1: waiting for. Right. Now, uh, I want to mention I have to give uh, props here to uh, movie revolt on Twitter uh, who had mentioned to me the other day that it's funny that Lemire is doing a Superman book at Marvel and a Fantastic Four book at D.C.
0: I did see that. And that is funny.
1: Right. That's so kudos to you for pointing that out. Yeah. And again, it's. I have no real attachment to the Sentry. Um, I know there's people that really love that first miniseries from Paul Jenkins, and I haven't read it in a very, very long time. Um, I know when they did kind of like a throwback miniseries with the Sentry. I know a lot of people um, enjoyed that because it was Jeff Parker essentially just taking the Sentry and putting him into, you know, a bunch of. Superman Silver Agey type adventures, but in the Marvel side of things, right? Right. Um, Did he throw
0: any? Didn't throw anybody it, into the sun,
1: though. No, but it's Lemire, so I'll check it out. You know, and,
0: and I and I will not that I will, but I think I give Lemire enough of my money, so <laughs> he'll be okay with this one. Because I'm waiting for that that uh, when we reviewed him, I'm waiting for that 80s continuity DC book. That's getting all my money that that he discussed where where he's get he's personally writing rocket reds just for me in that in those issues
1: <laughs> he did say that yes when he was on yes. the show a few weeks ago
0: that is true so uh
1: and then the one of course that i'm most looking forward to is uh nick spencer and amazing spider-man um, um nick spencer i like i ryan ryan otley's art i love his art um i like that promo image that they put out where it's spider-man and all the classic villains you know uh, I'm a mm-hmm. sucker, man. I I'm I'll I'll buy Spy- I'll buy Amazing Spider Man until uh they bring back the super fast aging ninja kids, which they very well could. And uh, He could. I'll sit here he on could. the show and I'll eat my own hat.
0: That is your uh John Cena hat?
1: Yeah.
0: Um now personally when it comes to that Nick Spencer Spider Man book, I think maybe he might write some of Spider Man's foes who are superior. Mm hmm. So I might have to stick and try that book.
1: Right. So with all these like classic villains on the cover, if the mm-hmm. first story arc is like, they just go right out and say like, yep, here are the superior foes, here's shocker, here's boomerang, I, let's go.
0: I was going to say, if he does shocker, it has to be that shocker, right? Oh, of course. He, he can't do, he can't do like legit threat shocker now. Mm.
1: So. And I know you, as along as uh, many others, have kind of been decrying uh, the tail end of Dan Slott's run, of course, uh, where how it's going to be such a difficult transition for him to go <laughs> from what he's been writing in Amazing Spider-Man recently into what he's going to be writing in uh, the Iron Man book, of course. Uh, but these last like three or f- three issues or so of Spider-Man, where he's like lost the company, he's back down on his luck, he's working. For the bugle, you know they're setting up Norman as the villain. It's kind of Dan Slott kind of putting the puzzle back together to get kind of Peter back to where, back to his roots, you know. So mm-hmm. when Spencer takes over the book, kind of all that other stuff that Slott did over the last year or two that not a lot of people, not a lot of people liked, is kind of washed away.
0: Oh. And hold on to all your Spider-Man books because they're all creeping up because no one knows where the first appearance of the Red Goblin is going to be.
1: Ugh. Or just buy your comics and enjoy them. I don't know. That's what I do.
0: You're a speculator.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say something else, and no, that's a for the other show.
0: A spectroxulator?
1: No. <laughs> I don't know. Write it down. Who cares? It's a, be- it's a tasteless joke I can't tell on this show, Todd, because the- this, the- this is for the children.
0: Your, what about the children? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to write tasteless joke.
1: All right. So, speculator.
0: Okay. It's test, tasteless speculator. Right.
1: Uh, so, uh, tons of news. We took care of all that. Conventions this weekend. And obviously, if you're in the Northeast area, I don't think there's any conventions there. Maybe this Toledo Fantastic Con might be affected by the pending storm. But if you're in the path of the storm... Be careful out there. Uh, I think you're going to be safe in the Miami area for Hero Hype, Miami Comic Con. But the biggie this weekend, Todd, is Mm -hmm. the Lexington Comic and Toy Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. That's right. They say it's a comic and toy convention, but it is a plethora of media guests, Todd Mm. Chuck Norris, Paulie Shore.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Lou Diamond Phillips.
0: Oh, a Lou Diamond in the rough.
1: Billy D. Williams. Oh, Billy D. Michael Carter.
0: Oh, from, uh. Who's Michael Carter?
1: Michael Carter is possibly my favorite character, uh, from Return of the Jedi, Bib Fortuna.
0: Oh, <laughs> when he's giggling in the Falcon. No, that was Nia and Numb. I'm sorry. How d-
1: Todd, get out! Get out! Get out!
0: Day one, a longa.
1: The... Yeah, there you go.
0: I'm doing a lot of good impressions.
1: You are. On the other show, you have to listen to Long <laughs> Buck's here's <laughs> After Dark for all the other good impressions.
0: <laughs> that is true.
1: But Todd, for as many media guests as there are there, there's oh, even
0: please don't... more.
1: Wrestling oh, not W.
0: Guests. Oh, the W word.
1: Uh, Lita is gonna be there. Trish Stratus is gonna be there. Uh, Booker T is going to be there. Kevin Nash is going to be there. Uh, I'm not going to disparage this person's name like you're about to and say <laughs> Ric Flair is going to be there. Uh, Charlotte's grandfather is going to be there. Right. Uh, but, Todd, bigger than all of these, bigger than even Bib Fortuna himself, they want a they're not only selling... Items from his wrestling collectibles. But also key Marvel silver and golden age books. And possibly burger towels. Oh my goodness. None other than Jim Clarinet himself. Jim Cornette.
0: (laughs) Oh, GDMF. It's (laughs) Jim Clarinet.
1: (laughs) I wish... He is still on the bucket list of people that I'd still like to meet. I've kind of loosened up in my old age of uh, world wrestling entertainers or professional wrestlers that I'd like to meet and or get that Mark photo with, and Jim Cornette is on that list.
0: The other one is the... Oh, you already have your Mark photo with the Talking Dead commentator.
1: No, that's right, I do. <laughs> that is on my phone, by the way. All right, it's on my phone, too. I, I really keep... wanted the picture with Samo and Joe, but that other guy was standing there as well.
0: No, no lies, lies and fabrications.
1: Uh, but uh, I, I will say when in two weeks, uh, or yeah, two weeks when Double J Jeff Jarrett comes to AIW out in Cleveland, Root Beer Wrestling, mm-hmm. I'll uh, be I'll be getting the Mark picture with uh Double J Jeff Jarrett. Oh, there you go. Sucks. I'm I'm I've become I was a fan of Jeff Jarrett as a kid um you know watching him on like the Memphis TV and the ESPN show that would come on and following him in the magazines and when he comes to WWE doing a terrible country music gimmick and uh I don't count Johnny Cash's country music as Johnny Cash is Johnny Cash
0: mhm man in black monday
1: man in black monday hashtag Sweep Sweeping the Nation.
0: And <laughs> the <of> quarter hours.
1: <laughs> right, sure. Um, the only country song that I know, <sighs> that I know all the words to and sing on a regular basis, is With My Baby Tonight by Double J Jeff Jarrett.
0: <sighs> really? You don't even know The Gambler or Coward of the County?
1: I know of those songs. <sighs> You're killing me. That's all. So Double J, Jeff Jarrett coming to AIW in two weeks. Gauntlet for the gold. I could wouldn't be me? surprised if he sang with my baby tonight right oh. before intermission.
0: I was just going to say, could you get me his autograph? No, wait. Could you get me two of his autograph?
1: Oh. I wonder if he's going to be having, like, the replica guitars to sell.
0: Oh, but anyway, baby dude. powder.
1: If you're go- All the links to all this stuff is going to be in the show notes. Uh, and that's over at longboxheroes.com, of course. And also in the show notes, soon to named networkcom soon named uh, Anytime any of these shows come out, and anytime the people that are on these shows, that are part of our network, or on other shows, and they remind me, I put those out on the website, on the Tumblr. Uh, such shows as Talking Gimmicks. Paladins of Voltron, uh, Fresher in Parlance, Aim Down Sights Podcast, uh, Brothers Prob Podcast, Prodigal Sons Podcast, and Prime Defective Podcast. I'm only naming the inactive shows in the policy in the hopes that by me speaking their names aloud will cause these shows to come back to the network.
0: You're trying to summon them by saying right. their name three times.
1: It's not like they left the network, it's just they stopped doing podcasts.
0: Have you tried saying their names into the mirror three no, times?
1: No. Uh, Tony Todd shows up when I do that, so
0: mm. I'm
1: not going to do that. Uh, so, digital sales and freebies also in the show notes, of course. Uh, strangely, the only new freebie I was able to find... Well, actually... Um, I do need to mention this, and the time is ticking on this one. Um, with all of the, uh, Bendis stuff going over to DC, uh, all of the Jinx World stuff is on sale, and until the end of the day today, on March 7th with this episode coming out, uh, the first issues of Takio, uh, United States of Murder, brilliant, Powers, and Scarlet are all available for free digitally. I hmm. really recommend that first issue of Powers. And uh, in a strange turn of events, I remember that first issue of Powers, which was originally over at Image, then went to Marvel and is now at DC, has a lot of Image characters in there. Okay. Like, there's a Uh, like a a crime investigation thing where they're trying to investigate who killed Retro Girl, and they question several image characters, like Savage Dragon and Invincible and so forth. So I wonder how that licensing stuff goes over, not to one company, but now a second company now.
0: I wonder if there's going to be a lot of statted panels
1: (laughs) I wonder, I wonder. Um... So, like I said, all the Bendis stuff is on sale. Those five issues are free. Um, DC randomly has an issue of Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, number one forty-eight, available for free as well.
0: Is there somebody in it, or I don't
1: know. Um, it's by Jack Kirby, of course. Um, the 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 issue just says "Monarch of All He Subdues." Uh, Superman, Jimmy, and the Newsboy Legion have a showdown with Victor Vulcanium, who hopes mm. to conquer the world.
0: Who doesn't?
1: And again, I, I don't know what the um significance of this book is, but it's free. Maybe someone will check it out and read it. I don't know.
0: 148, you said? Yes. Okay.
1: Just randomly. Um. But again, there's a ton of other sales here as well. Uh, Dark Horse Women in Comics on sale, in addition to the Jinx World stuff on sale over at DC. uh, The Marvel side Jessica Jones stuff is on sale. Uh, IDW is having a sale on uh, a bunch of their non-superhero, non-licensed comic stuff, uh, which is a very interesting sale if you're looking for stuff like that. Uh, Some of the sales from previous weeks are still going on, Archie Horror... Uh, Marvel Sorcerer Supreme, Marvel What Ifs, um, and then they've also added Marvel Wolverine sale because I guess Wolverine is coming back. Uh, Dynamite is having a sale on all of their Green Hornet and Green Hornet related stuff. Uh, IDW is having yet another sale on Women's History Month related stuff. And this what I wanted to bring up to you, Todd. A company called Space Goat Publishing, right, is having a sale on their entire line which also includes a plethora of Evil Dead comics. Right. I, I, it seems Todd, anyone could publish Evil Dead comics. I did not know they had the license to this because I could have swore there was another Evil Dead book that was coming out from Dynamite.
0: Those are Army of Darkness books or Ash books. So you get into the whole Evil Dead evil dead 2 you know what i got a guy you could talk to at the shop
1: oh you do have a guy
0: yeah i got a guy i got a guy for everything
1: and he's gonna be able to explain this to me in a way that makes sense yes and (laughs) and the base oh boy so that's all the digital sales stuff like i said there's a lot to digest there it's all in the show notes if you want to dig through it spend some digital currency to get some digital comics but let's get into the physical comics that both Todd and I have read from this past week. Todd, I'm going to ask you to kick things off.
0: All right. I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most. It was The Terrifics by Ivan Rice and Jeff Lemire. Um, Basically, it is the story. uh, It's going to be like their Fantastic Four pastiche book. Um, It starts out with Mr. Terrific showing up at Simon Stagg's laboratory, where he has opened up a portal to the dark multiverse that's from metal and uh, Mr. Terrific's there to stop it. We find out that somehow metamorpho is is being used to either open the portal or keep things at bay. So Mr. Terrific has brought along the plastic man egg from metal and they get pulled into the dark uh, multiverse um, and they find phantom girl who's there and they have to figure out what's going on and how to get home. And uh, spoiler alert, Tom Strong, who we've talked about is going to be in this book shows up who I'm not sure how all that's going to work because Tom Strong was part of the ABC comics. Um, but I find it interesting. Um, this is a, a quick, e- easy story because it's just how the team is getting together. Um, the one thing that I did find a bit confusing was the whole, uh, Plastic Man egg thing, because they go into depth about what's going on in metal, and I kind of got a little lost, but otherwise I enjoyed, uh, the uh, back and forth between Plastic Man and Metamorpho. Metamorpho seemed to be the more like thing like character, and even though he's stretchy, Plastic Man's not re, uh, Reed Richards so much as he's the annoying uh, Johnny Storm character who I think is going to get under what under the whatever it is skin i guess of metamorpho
1: right so you know obviously the look of this book is fantastic four but i don't think the feel of this book is fantastic four right um, i think this feels more um challenge of challengers of the, the unknown ish
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: more of a fantastic four pastiche than this is which sounds confusing but i know it's easy to say that this is fantastic 4 because you've got a smart guy, a rocky guy, a stretchy guy and an invisible girl or a phantom girl as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very easy to draw those parallels but um i you know i didn't really get the fantastic 4 vibe from this. I did like this. Um obviously this, you know, of what we've read which isn't much of this new age of hero stuff that is supposed to be spinning out of metal. This is the one that most directly spins out of metal and the events they're in, even though metal's not done yet.
0: I think that is one of the things that slightly hurts it is that metal isn't over yet. And they're, like I said, they're explaining a lot. It, you know, it's one of those things that the, 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 the event should have been over. And I think that's never good when your event isn't over and you have the books that are spinning out of it coming out anyway, because, well, they're on your slate to come out.
1: Right, and if you remember, this book was actually originally scheduled to come out like two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw the other day on Twitter, Lemire was just, like, he just turned in the script for issue 10 of this book. Right. So either he's way ahead of schedule or they push this way back.
0: Right. And when I say I understand that it's not the Fantastic Four per se, but I do get a bit of a Fantastic Four vibe anyway because, like, they go to the Dark Multiverse, which to me is the negative zone. You know what I mean? Like, and they're they're on that big creature who looks like a Celestial slash Galactus. So there is a lot of nods to the FF in this, too.
1: Right, but it it, it, fe- it does feel like its own thing so far.
0: Right, it does, but it also it does and i think you know it's going to be a group of adventurers so it it walks a fine line
1: yes uh still you know definitely recommend it and again of course you know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves uh of course because a book that we've already read and discussed in the show but this week the other lemire book and todd had lamented earlier in the show that lemire is taking so much of his money uh again he writes good books so that's i wouldn't say he's taking it he's it's an exchange for goods and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gideon Falls comes out this week, uh, issue one from Image, written by Lemire with art by Adria, uh, Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about this book several issues or several episodes ago of this show. Uh, I'm sure they haven't changed the book since then. I recommend that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of books from Image that came out. Um, Saga number 49, written by Brian K. Vaughan with art by Fiona Staples. Um, as Todd always says, I hope they don't put a first page in there that is shocking. Uh, they did, but I would say that's like a six in the shocking scale. Right. Um, it's been off for three months. It's the beginning of a new story arc. And I feel as though... This issue has been the most new reader accessible of Saga in some time. Okay. There's been other first issues of a storyline that have come before. There's been other first issues of a storyline that have even been priced to move at 25 cents. And while this is a book that's been going on for as long as it has been, and there's been a lot that's happened in this book and a lot to digest, I feel as though they give you the bullet points of everything that you need to know about these characters and what their relationships are with each other and how they interact with each other in this book that I think if you had never read Saga before and you read this issue, you're going to be intrigued to see what happens next.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with you to a point, but it's hard for me to take myself out of what I know. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I look at it and I go, would it be that great of a jumping on point, you know, 49 issues in to what I think, you know, it will always be a finite story. I don't know. Um, but I enjoyed it, and I think, you know, I see where you're coming from. You can, you can pick a couple of things up there. And I think, once again, you know, I don't know if you, I always say the spoiler alert, Brian K. Vaughn can write. Um, there's a few, like, lines in here that, you know, every, every issue there's something that either moves me, hurts me, makes me laugh, or, you know, he's just, he, there's just a bit where he talks about who has the power to break your heart. And in this, we see, you know, a couple of times with the fight between uh, Prince Robot's son and uh, I can't think of the young the the young girl's name. I, I get so confused, but they they have a they have a bit of a, a row, and and you know that he hurt, she hurts him, and then they're talking about like uh, Prince Robot and his his uh, love affair. He he might be betraying somebody, but in the end, it it comes down to the closer you are, the easier it is to get hurt, and. It's just like I said, Brian Caveon. I will follow him anywhere, and uh, I I love this book.
1: Right, so the main crux of this is, um, you know, uh, Marco and Elena have all these different folks on the run in their ship. Two of the folks are these two tabloid reporters, right? And they want to publish Elena and Marco's story, two people, Romeo and Juliet style, from two different sides of the war. Um, and by putting that out there, putting that story out there, of course, they claim that they will be able to provide them with protection, obviously because they have the daughter, who is the mix of these two races, which is the first time, at least that we know in Saga, we have to say that because I'm sure there's going to be somewhere down the line, we find out that she's (laughs) not the first. Mm -hmm. So they're apprehensive about giving this story up, of course, for the safety of their daughter. Prince, uh, Prince Robot the Fourth however, claims he has a much bigger story that he has been sitting on and has not told anyone that he will offer up to these tabloid folks um, in the hopes of allowing Marco and Elena to go free and not give them up. But it's as plain as the screen on his face (laughs) of what he really believes. And that was more of a shocking ending last page than the first page. Right. No spoilers, but that's kind of the cliff notes of what's going on in the beginning of this story arc. Right. And I really liked it. It's saga. Um, You know, I know I'll say this every now and then when we bring up saga, um, you know, always it's, uh, it's always going to be the book I'm most looking forward to because I still really like it. I'm still on, the Saga Train. I know a lot of people have kind of gotten off it for whatever reason. It doesn't have the same steam, the same heat behind it that some other books do. To me, it does.
0: I don't think it has the same steam that it did, but it didn't lose much temperature, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, and I do think when he kicks it into the home stretch, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's going to get there again. Like he knows how to, he knows how to close. I have no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I would never say, you know, that, that saga is, is only okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way, it's usually way above that.
1: Uh, so last but not least, we have, uh, our preview review book and it's yet another image book. Uh, it is Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkman and art by Lorenzo Di Felici. So this is the big launch. Kirkman's new book, Robert Kirkman's name, is involved with a comic book. Usually there's a lot of steam behind it, as we mentioned before, with Saga, a lot of heat behind it. Of course, Invincible just ended, and now this is kind of replacing things on Kirkman's schedule. Uh, the, cl- I guess the Cliff Notes explanation of this uh, would be a couple hundred thousand people in Philadelphia were just lost. They just disappeared. A lot of speculation as to what happened to them where they came from people just thought they were gone well it was discovered about 10 years later that they weren't gone they were in a different world a different dimension a different something mm-hmm. and there's a ragtag group of kind of people working within the government who are trying to get these people back right. what are their motivations alternative motives uh, what's going on over in this other side, the oblivion? What's going on on our side? All of this. I will be completely honest with you at first, and say this was not on my long my my short list of books that I must read. Right. I'm not saying that I'm kind of done with Kirkman because I loved Invincible right up into the end. I'm still reading Walking Dead. But I'm like, nah, you know, this one's not really, you know, hitting me, right? Read the mm-hmm. description, I don't know what's going on, right? Eh, it's it just sounds kind of whatever. And then it's a Kirkman book, it's a number 1. Let's do it for preview review, right? Right. Uh so Todd, what do you think of this this book?
0: Um st- starting out I was very confused as to what was going on. Um, If I had a knock on this book, it would be the art in the oblivion. Uh Um, I was very confused to the, like what was happening with what the monster was doing with the main character at one point. Um, Then it kind of all came together. But I think early on in the book, it's a bit bad storytelling when it comes to the art. But then as they piece the, the book together of what, you know, was going on, what the oblivion, you know, like we don't know what the oblivion is. We don't know why the the people disappeared, but we do understand now what the scientists are about and why, and they're fighting with the government for funding. And some people have maybe too close to what's going on. They have personal reasons. Um, As it went, I kind of was more and more interested. And then at the end, when we find out that, that something may be going on in the oblivion more than we understand. I was kind of like, you know what you locked me in now. I'm not saying it's walking dead. I've never read invincible or anything like that. Um, but you locked me in. It was a good story with a good hook at the end. I like a lot of the breadcrumbs that, that, that Kirkman left for me.
1: Uh, I went into this book with no expectations Mm -hmm. and ended up loving it. Mm hmm. I know you said you had some problems with the art initially in the Oblivion, but there were some splash pages, uh, you know, some two-page spreads, some pages where across the two pages there was only like four or six panels, where Mm -hmm. I thought this art really popped. I really liked the art in this book.
0: Okay.
1: And I thought in a very... uh, We talked before about saga number 49 kind of giving you the information that you need to know what's going on for this particular um story arc giving kind of like the bullet points of here's what these characters relationships are now they did introduce a lot of characters in this book the main thing the main people that you need to know about are our lead character Nathan Cole and his brother Ed that's really all you need to know right now but he gives you enough information about all the other people, uh, the two people that he ends up saving from the Oblivion, um, the woman who is trying to fight for him to get more funding from the government, the guy who is helping him who was saved from the Oblivion, who's having like these weird outbursts and stuff.
0: Right, and I like the fact that there's a little bit of information. It's like, oh, well, we saved a bunch of people in the beginning. Yep. And now the government isn't so willing to throw money into it because they haven't been finding people. And he uh-huh. and he, and the main character is like, well, there might be a reason for that. Like, let me go in. But he has an ulterior motive. But does he want to help, too? There's a lot of layers to this right. book by the time we get
1: to the end. The, the stuff with the monument. That was fantastic. The stuff with the guy at the monument. There's, Mm -hmm. there's big pieces, there's little pieces, all of these, and that's the thing about it is you could read a book and they could give you all this information or they could give you all these pieces. They could give you all these plot threads. They can give you all these seeds or whatever you want to call them. The thing is, is it enough? Is it compelling to make you want to see what happens? Mm -hmm. And with this, I say, yes. This is a book that was not on my list of books to purchase and is now on my list of books to purchase. I'm in. I'm in, too. Right. Uh, again, totally surprised me. Was not expecting this book. Uh, and obviously, it's not like I doubted Robert Kirkman, but it was just like, nah, you know, could be okay. Could be whatever. Um. But yeah, it was surprising, and I highly recommend it.
0: How long till the announcement it's a TV show? And also, did you know that there was a season three of Outcast?
1: <laughs> there was there a season three of Outcast?
0: Or season two at least? I knew there was season two. There's probably a season three. I don't. Let know. me look. I at don't that. even know. But how long do you think until we, we they announce that this that uh, Oblivion Song is a is a uh, TV show?
1: I would say we'll get the announcement that someone optioned it before Issue 2 comes out. So, three weeks.
0: Okay. I'm going to say right around when they're pushing that first trade.
1: Okay. So, you're giving it a little bit more time than I am.
0: Right, and they'll announce it close to, to San
1: Diego-ish. So, I do just want to say Cinemax does say... Uh, where is this? There is no official announcement of a season three of Outcast.
0: Okay, well, did you know there was a season two?
1: I did know there was a season two. All right. Um, blah, 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 U.S. airing has come, it's too expensive, so on and so forth. Uh, it is scheduled for sometime in 2000. It's allegedly scheduled for July of 2018, but again, due to the cost of how much the the series is, it'll probably be the last one, is what they're claiming.
0: Unless it explodes, yes. And people know it's on TV.
1: They need to get that Kirkman block. They need to fast track Oblivion Song. They need to finally do the Thief of Thieves TV show.
0: Oh, remember that when they were going to do that?
1: That was the, that was the one where. Like, that Wednesday, like, the day the issue came out, like, that night, it was, like, option for a TV show.
0: Any day now.
1: Any day now.
0: And I could retire on my Thief of Thieves, number one.
1: Yeah, I think that ship has sailed for me. Ugh. So, uh, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com... Every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, the only time that matters, Eastern Time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Uh, Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them a day late because you're buried under six feet of snow, (laughs) however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what's coming out. Now, the two things that Todd and I are doing uh With these lists is one is what we're always doing, which is attempting to guess with the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh There was no movement last week, but I am still in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. Uh, we're also keeping a tally of the dollar amount of how much we have spent on comic books, Todd. And uh, I think uh as you had lamented the other day on Twitter, as more and more OmniBuy come out, uh you are going to get a lead well above what I have.
0: That's right, I'm going to call it The Absolute Factor.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you looking at my list, me looking at yours, you started the show, you go first.
0: Right. I'm looking over your list, and as I missed the layup last week with Saga, and I, I hate myself, I'm going to go with, is the book you're looking forward to most, layup number two, fix number 11?
1: The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is, certainly, fix number 11. Mm. Now, I ask you, Todd, of course, looking at your list, we take off Gideon Falls, we take off Oblivion Song. Those are books that we've already covered.
0: Right, Uh, I figured as much.
1: Earlier in the show, Batman White Knight number six. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that the end of the series?
0: No, that is a, a, as of right now, it is an eight-issue miniseries.
1: Okay. That I know
0: of. What was that? That I know of, because I know sometimes they make mistakes, but I saw on the cover that it said it's six of eight.
1: That being said, I think the book you were looking forward to coming up this week is also the fix number 11. It is
0: the fix number 11. Booyah. No movement, lots of fixing going on.
1: Process of elimination.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even know what Frankenstein Alive Alive is.
0: That was the Bernie Wrightson miniseries. Oh. That he was, he was, he was, uh, it was a follow up, I think, to his, no- the, the, the prose novel, like the actual Frankenstein that he did all the, the, uh, the illustrations for so he did this but he wasn't feeling well so he kind of like it got later and later and he only did the first three and then he's like i'm gonna get around to four and then he passed away and i want to say kelly jones is helping with it um i just want to finish because i i love the first the look of the first three issues so i'm like i'll pick up the fourth issue
1: Mm -hmm. it's been a while since that came out and hasn't bernie wrightson passed
0: yes that's what I said. He ended up passing away.
1: Right. So how is this book still coming out?
0: This is the end now. But Joe uh, Kelly Jones f- is finishing the artwork. Oh okay. I don't know how much Bernie Wrightson had done. I don't know if Kelly Jones is just doing all. You know what I mean? Right. But I have one through three, and it's I th- I want to say it's been years since it was all with the, the last issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'll, I, like I said, I'll pick it up just to have that fourth issue. I might not even read it. It might just go in my box and be, you know, hidden away, like the Ark of the Covenant.
1: I'm looking to see when Issue 3 had come out.
0: You have the ability to do that?
1: The internet tells me everything, Todd.
0: The Oh, my God. Is the internet looking at me right now?
1: Possibly. Mm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Dead
1: Air. Dead Air is fantastic. You love it. Stop.
0: I do love Dead Air.
1: How are these books on... Well, anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> Don't go down a rabbit hole.
1: No. Uh, the last issue, issue three, came out in April of 2014.
0: Okay, so I was right. It was years.
1: Yeah. Multiple, multiple years.
0: I, by by saying years, I meant multiple. Yes. Plural.
1: Right. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, after you check out the poll post, you put your list together of what you're getting this week, check out all the other stuff that we've done on the uh, internet, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, Uh, Todd and Joe have issues, all the stuff that we've done, Todd, is there. Also the little store button. We've got shirts, we've got stickers with our fancy logo on them. I was hoping to have an update for you, on new merchandise, sadly, I do not. Aww. Um. No new updated information. Uh, we have not gotten uh, any additional information of us to announce. Hopefully, <clears throat> maybe next week. Maybe next week.
0: Maybe next week. Uh,
1: but, while you're waiting for the news of the next hottest uh, merchandise item from Longbox Heroes, you could purchase anything else that you want through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Uh, notable purchases from the past week had been, uh, something called the Victorian Book of the Dead. Uh, someone purchased the PJ Masks Deluxe Gecko Vehicle. Okay. Uh, someone also purchased, I'm not gonna read the whole ridiculous, uh, description of this, just because it's a bunch of repeating words, but they purchased, uh, wireless Bluetooth headphones. Uh, with a microphone attached to them.
0: Ooh, for microphoning.
1: Mm-hmm. And someone also purchased uh, the second trade um, of the James Asmus Quantum and Woody uh, storyline.
0: There you go. Which, I wonder if, if it.
1: I was going to say, which is a direct, I would say, uh, purchase is spawn, inspired by this show, I would assume.
0: What? I don't know. You never know.
1: Right. Awesome. Oh, Todd, did we have any uh Todd's art attacks this week?
0: Yes, we did. Um, by super contributor Euronymous. It's another doodle. This by headlopper artist Andrew McLean in his trade of Apoclip girl? Apocli
1: a trade. Apocalyptic girl.
0: I I don't know how to say that word.
1: I wasn't apocalyptic
0: gonna help girl. you. You weren't gonna help me? No. I was gonna, I was, I meant to say the trade of uh, abdominal stretch.
1: Oh, I can't say that.
0: You can't say that? No. Alright, so. Yes, but a very nice, uh, very nice piece. A quick doodle. Like I said, I love when someone knows how to make the most out of a few lines, and this person did that. And I've never, re- I don't know who, uh, about Headlopper or Andrew McLean. I don't know any of their work. I'll have to look into it.
1: Now, we had another one, Todd, that was right after last week's episode went live. Oh, yes, we did. And that was from another uh, getting up there in the Power Listener Rankings, Dwayne DC Mitsipidilic on Twitter, uh, has an old one. I love these old cons, and he puts up the old pictures of the people from the cons and all that sort of stuff. Um, It was a John Paul Leon uh, sketch of Static from the Milestone book from D.C., Mm-hmm. And uh he also snuck a pic of a guy who had requested a picture of Archie as a duck.
0: Archie the duck.
1: Right. Not to be confused with Howard the duck or Archie the Riverdale character.
0: Right. It's an amalgam. Or as I like to say, an amalgam.
1: <laughs> an amalgam. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy when you don't when you don't hear it pronounced you just assume that's uh the way it would be pronounced i agree.
0: that is the epitome of saying a word
1: oh what's the the i' have a i have a good and by good i mean wrestling related story why <laughs> i will forever on purpose not say this word correct but when I'm giving someone um credit for something mm-hmm talking about all the stuff that they've done uh, in their chosen profession, I talk mm-hmm. about the allocades that you would uh, bestow uh, on this person.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Got Amelgail.
1: <laughs> Amelgail. <Amel-gam. laughs> so thanks to everyone who contributed there for uh, Todd's Art Attack. Of course, make sure you just uh, uh, tag Todd's uh, other account, Todd's Art Attack, in the tweet, and uh, we'll make sure to share your cool art that you purchased that you had commissioned, that you even did yourself, any recent purchases of original art that you've done, pages or otherwise, and share them with the rest of our ever-expanding listening audience.
0: And hope someone doesn't tweet me one after you so I forget about yours.
1: Right. That's what I'm here for. Now, that's a- we're going to get into the TV talk, Todd. Right. So if you don't care about The Flash from last week, or just this past week's episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, we bid <laughs> you adieu. Uh, I do want to give you, the listening audience, a reminder uh, that the new season of Jessica Jones starts this Thursday. At midnight. At midnight. They did this just to mess with me.
0: No, did they They always do that?
1: Um, No, I always thought it started like midnight, like going into Friday, not midnight going into... The day so they're
0: doing it Wednesday at 11:59 in one minute.
1: That's what it seems to me, according to all. Like nowhere does it say March 8th at midnight. It all just says March 8th.
0: So then that'll be which which what day is March March 8th? That's oh okay. That does seem yes weird. Okay,
1: so get ready for that coming this week. And then two weeks from now on Siffy uh, is going to be the uh, Krypton <laughs> show.
0: <laughs> Krypton or Krypton? Cri- the-
1: <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. We're going to watch one episode and see what happens from there, Todd.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unless they decide to sneak season three of Outcast out four months early.
0: Oh. <laughs> Ugh.
1: Now, if only the new season of Jessica Jones was starting... Uh, today, when I'm home alone, like that little boy in the movie that I watch a thousand times now, that I have a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I could just lock everyone out of the office and just watch the entire season of Jessica Jones by myself. But I could see myself watching a bunch of this before we record next week, so we might be talking about some of Jessica Jones next week.
0: And you never know, I might be talking about all of it. Mm
1: -hmm. But right now, we're talking about, starting with last week's episode of The Flash, uh, subject number nine... Uh, Flash is back from its little mini hiatus there during Mm -hmm. the Olympics. Uh, They are tracking down, they, pronouns pal, being Team Flash. (laughs) Uh, The three remaining folks, four remaining folks from the uh, boss incident with the Dark Matter. Of course, they feel as long as they keep Ralph with them and trained that DeVoe will not be able to get him. Uh, DeVoe, of course, now in the mind, in the body of the, the, uh, the, the luck power person whose name I already forget again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll just say Devoe. right? and, uh, this is both sides trying to get to this person first, and then we have a B story of Harrison Wells attempting to help Joe's fiancé, uh, not be able to hear Joe's dreams, and keeping her up at night
0: while slowly coming closer together
1: right and uh giving wells a sounding board for the frustration that he feels in not being able to fix the problem that the rest of team flash is having
0: and also never mentioning the fact that he has the face of a murderer
1: right and uh yes but he doesn't go outside much he stays inside except
0: for all the times that he's drinking coffee and jitters
1: that ah, that's true. He was outside in this.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's out. He's always like, I'm heading for coffee because I'm Angry Wells. And well, if you remember, goes, there's no
1: coffee on Earth too, which is where he's been.
0: No, there is coffee on Earth too. It was the other Wells that didn't have coffee because that's why he was always quote unquote jittery because he was he was taking it back home. Gotcha. See, you don't know. Oh my God, you're so
1: all these Earths get confusing, Todd.
0: Oh, my God. Too many wells.
1: There are too many wells. Remember the one episode there was like six of them?
0: That's right. And there was the, the really good special effect of the one from the Mad Max Earth.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so we And then we get a girl. She's not a... Is Fiddler a Flash villain? I don't think... Yes. In name, but I don't think she was a...
0: No, Flash... Uh, fiddler goes all the way back to the golden age flash
1: okay but i don't think at any point she was a country music honky and bar person no right
0: but neither was ralph didney a disgraced cop so touche you know they they change things kind of like savitar and ruin but uh so yeah, so the, but the name is the same other than the the alter ego except you know it's the it's the female version of that character. They just gender bend it and she uh the character was never a country western Sorry, I think it was like a he dressed up in like a like uh what you would wear to the symphony or whatever like that. So that right, was, I the remember difference he was like the a
1: difference like a fancy lad.
0: Right, he was a, not a gentleman because he was a villain, but so yeah, that was the only difference.
1: He was like a dandy. Yes. Uh, so what'd you think of this episode?
0: I liked it. Um, I think, I hope that, uh, Flash can save one of the bus metas before it's all over. But, uh, I find it interesting. I think, uh, I'm gonna miss the actress who played Hazard, uh, that, that DeVoe, because I think we've, so far, uh, the DeVos are like the opposite of Star Trek movies. The odd ones are good. The mm. first DeVoe I liked, then the second DeVoe who was had the the ability to read minds or whatever it was. I didn't like him. Then I liked Hazard, so Hazard was really good, the actress. And I'm not sold yet on the actress who's doing the uh, the southern drawl of the Fiddler. So we'll see.
1: Right. I was worried... That they weren't gonna kill her off. And I thought this was this was just an okay episode. It was fine. Right. Not great, not terrible. Um I thought they were gonna somehow make the fiddler Sue Dibney. Uh,
0: I did too, but apparently I remember Sue Dibney. No wait, I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. She was, I was thinking of the, uh, of, of, of a messed up, of uh, the Adam's wife from Legends of Tomorrow was a character, Jean Loring yes. was on Arrow and she was killed, but not with being around Arrow, uh, being around Adam and all. So I got confused. So yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I thought maybe, I never thought that they'd make her sue. I think that was just something to, to lighten up uh, Ralph that like, oh, I could find love and then take it away. And now he'll find Sue.
1: Right, and and I do say this this is a yet another episode here in this back half of them leaning harder on having the actor who plays Ralph carry a little bit more of the emotional aspect of the show, mm-hmm. and I think he is getting better in the role.
0: Yes, getting less uh, Jim Carrey all the time.
1: Right. Um, some of the special effects in this episode were suspect. Uh, there was one in particular that I actually liked, Where Fiddler was using her powers and it made his face get like all flat and stretched out.
0: Yeah, that was great. That
1: I, that I really liked, but there were some other special effects like when DeVoe shows up and is just tossing everyone around and she makes Ralph like a noodle man and Mm -hmm. tosses him into, to Barry and, uh, Cisco and that looked super suspect.
0: What, are you going to nitpick things on these CW shows?
1: I'm not nitpicking nothing. It's just when I see really bad special effects and really good special effects, literally minutes apart, I get, I'm just like, ah, come on. Couldn't we, like, even the special effects budget out so everything kind of has, like, a uniform look as opposed to some of it being, like, way up here and the rest of it being way down here?
0: I do have to admit I do like the look of when you're, like, basically when she was using the fiddle into the camera. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a good effect where it's like I could defend myself and she'd play it. And then it was like the blast was coming right at the camera. I was like that. I don't know. I think the whole thing that the, the, the fact that a person was going to murder me with fiddles, um, it worked in the strangest way. That the effect really worked is what I'm trying to say. So, but like, I agree with you. It was an okay
1: episode of The Flash. Right. So now moving on to <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Legend of Tomorrow. Uh episode uh now I, I have to mention this, you know, because obviously these episode titles sometimes they're up and sometimes they're down. Like uh
0: right.
1: what was it, two weeks ago's episode uh title was like Here I Go Again, the one before that was Daddy De Harkist." Mm-hmm. Uh, last week was just the bland curse of the earth totem, whereas this week's episode, <laughs> Todd, right. is titled No Country for Old Dads. Right. So, um, you've got your subplot, so here are your plots of the show, uh, starting from, you know, least importance to most importance. <laughs> you've got Wally, uh, attempting to help Vixen, uh, with assistance uh from Zari to uh meditate to attempt to communicate and find where her totem is, right? hmm Then you have the stuff with uh White Canary, Sarah, and uh what's her face from the Time Bureau.
0: Right. I forget what her name is And Rip with Hunter. all the Rip
1: Hunter stuff. And then uh you have the Deharks, Damien and Nora DeHark. Mm-hmm. They have Ray, Ray held captive. They want him to fix the fire totem. He refuses to do so. Um, in turn, they end up sending Ray and Nora back to the 60s to find the guy who invented Cold Fusion. But Cold Fusion wasn't invented in the 60s because the guy who invented Cold Fusion in the 60s was killed by the younger version of Damien Dark. And that's really all that happens in the episode, Todd. Nothing uh, untoward or out of sorts.
0: Just right. Like so a let's start, episode, right? Right. Well, yeah. We'll definitely start with the uh, with the with the the, the Wally West and uh, helping out Zara and and all that. I thought when uh, he makes fun of black uh, or uh, of Vixen, that I was like, okay, I don't know. I was like, ooh, it got a little dark in there. Um, but I was like, okay we find out that with the totem and the totem is fighting. We meet Vixen's grandmother and she tells them to help her. She tells her to help her sister. She could save her and and all that stuff. So that was interesting, but I was only okay with it. And then the whole whole thing with rip is just rip trying to regain the trust, um, and go to the time bureau and and tell them, Hey, we're going to have it. And they find out that the plot is the more, uh, uh, what are the anomalies that the the time anomalies, it weakens the fabric of time. So Mollus could escape that. That's pretty much what those two plots sum up, wouldn't you say? Sure. So now we get to the big one where Damien Dark from the past is trying to kill the guy who's creating cold fusion. And uh, they go back, uh, Adam and uh, I can't think of the daughter's name. And then Damien Dark himself goes there not doing a good enough job. We're gonna go back and and hilarity ensues, Joe, because old uh nineteen sixty two cold War Damien Dark looks so good, so good Joe what so good so I could tell the difference between modern Damien Dark and old Damien, or uh sixty two Damien Dark they do something with him, but I can't right, think what like it was put
1: to- like a little like they put like a different suit on or maybe he just had like uh like a different <laughs> shirt on or something right. Right, right, and I think he had a flawless wig, Joe. Oh, Todd. Yes. So, for some reason, they decided that <laughs> to make Damien the younger version of Damien Dark in Eastern Germany, who is this ki- this this this, ho- this terrible killer, this deadly person? I know how we can really get over how deadly and dangerous he is. <laughs> Put him in this. Put him in a wig, the hairstyle that Jennifer Aniston had on Friends.
0: I I don't know. It seemed more of an anime hairstyle. Oh to my me. goodness,
1: Todd. <laughs> and and there's and they are really getting the most out of that wig in this episode. <laughs> and there's scenes where like sometimes it looks like it's stark white, and I'm sure it's just the lighting of it, right? Right,
0: and right. And there's other sure.
1: times where it looks like it's like almost like platinum, like silver. And then there's the fight scene at the end where they're, the two Damien Darks are fighting each other, and the one has the wig on, and the one has the danger diabolique mask on, so you can only see his eyes. So it's like, okay, so we can have two stuntmen kind of come in here, and it's like one sloppily put on this different wig, and the other guy put on this, uh, ski mask and have it out, you know?
0: Right. Oh my
1: god, Todd.
0: Well, and then- The show's the major... a rib on
1: me, right? It, it, that's what oh. it is at this point.
0: Well then, Joe, literally, modern day Damien Dark comes back, and he finds out where the- where Adam and his daughter are hold up with the the cold fusion scientist, and it's in a haberdashery, Joe.
1: Well, that's the thing. Right before, um <laughs> And aura and Ray decide to go back to the 60s. Damien Dork says that he's going to go there. Now, this is where, okay, the wigs are ridiculous in this episode. Comical. I don't even know what to make of it. I don't know. I'm not sure if the person who's in charge of the wigs on this show should be fired, thrown out of the industry, or be made the president of Hollywood. I'm not sure, Todd. It really could go either way. And there's arguments for all of these decisions. Mm-hmm. So, um, but where I want to really talk about things in this episode is the, the Damien and Nora stuff. But, so Damien Dark says he's going to go to East Germany. He's going to do all these things. And he's like, oh, I might even pop into Switzerland and get you some chocolate or something. And he goes, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll get myself a new hat. And from right there, where he acknowledges that there's a hat rib going on in this show, specifically directed at me, I'm like, all right, the fix is in. We're in for a treat on this episode. Right. Oh, my goodness. And then he put on a tiny hat, Joe. Ah, oh, he put on a tiny hat. Do you remember the scene? I but it wasn't like it it was no, a tiny hat, but it, was it wasn't too, like a ridiculously tiny hat like when Heatwave wears a hat.
0: Right, but no, it was too small for his head and that was the joke. Right. And I'm like, are they listening to this show?
1: Todd, the show is an elaborate rib on this <laughs> show.
0: Oh my god, it's fantastic. So wigs and hats, like I just I I can't wait for next week. There's going to be something.
1: I rarely do this, Todd. I don't like to look into the future on this show. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? What? But I just clicked the next episode button on IMDb, right? Right. And the screenshot... Oh, boy. ...is, you know, it's like kind of a... You know, it's a miscut shot from the episode, right? And I hope you're sitting down for this, Todd. It (laughs) appears as though Wally West has a different hairstyle in this. What? Right. Um, (laughs) when the legends learn that a mysterious tragedy destroys Memphis in 1954, thus eradicating the birthplace of rock and roll, do I need to read any more, Todd. Do I need There's to read any be... more? If they just entitled the episode "Elvis Wigs,"
0: oh my goodness! I think
1: we'd be good. I think we'd understand what's going on in this.
0: It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious.
1: And they do have, and I, I, and again, no spoilers, again, Todd. But in the cast listing for this episode, there is someone who is playing Elvis's mom. <laughs> <sighs> And I don't know who's playing the lump of flesh in the back of Elvis' mom's neck. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, I hope they get enough screen time as well.
0: Oh, I can't wait.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: But legitimately story wise, it was nice to, it was nice to see them give, you know, the wacky, wise cracking, dad joke, Damien Dark character some depth that he actually, like the, the last episode where Adam, you know, comes back to save the daughter and he's like, you know, I can't believe you, you caved that if he's like, it's my daughter. And when he gets to have the heart to heart with Adam about what the daughter needs and he actually does it, is, it, it, like I said, it gives him more of another layer as a villain.
1: So there's... What, the you don't like it? The trail of Damien Dark this season has been sporadic and all over the place. Mm-hmm. No more evident than this episode in particular, where it would change wildly scene to scene. And how old is Nora supposed to be? Because there's some scenes where Damien Dark treats her like she's still like a small child. And then there's other scenes where he treats her as an equal. Like, is it okay if I date again now that your mom has been dead for 23 years? Alleging that she is at least 23 plus nine months old.
0: Well, the way it's, the way I'm gathering it is when she, when. The mother was killed and Damien Dark was killed in Arrow. She was just a young girl. And then he comes back. So he's seeing her as the young girl that when he died, he's like, so I gave you to Mollus and then I didn't see you until whatever age she is now. So he's like, I don't know how to deal. You know, I I missed all that time. She's still a little girl to me, but she's got a demon inside of her. So I understand the whole like flip flop of, of, you know a little bit of respect but you know he still looks at her as his young daughter who's hasn't grown up yet
1: right i don't know they need to figure something out with this time because it's it's uneven at best i'm fine like damien dark <sighs> it's uneven at best
0: it's fantastic at at the way it is just keep up the wigs and we're good
1: i guess the the wigs the wigs and hats are ridiculous todd again the, the, i think the season finale of this show is just going to be them <laughs> with no explanations cutting scene to scene like shot to shot with the camera of them the the characters the legends all in more ridiculous wig than last And or wearing hats that shrink with cut to cut. (laughs) Uh,
0: Like somebody sent us the video to the little hat store.
1: Right. It's like, oh, time is going crazy. It's causing our hairstyles to change wildly.
0: I'm wondering if Adam's suit is leaking and it's just shrinking hats.
1: (sighs) Or maybe it's just making everyone giants and the hats are normal sized.
0: I hope they bring back the effect of giant Adam. Remember? That was great.
1: They saved that for the season finale, Todd. I can assume they would do the same here. Right. Yeah. But anyway, Oh boy. Again, it's an elaborate rib on us,
0: not us on you.
1: Me specifically. You enjoy this nonsense. I do every I time enjoy I do, but for different reasons.
0: Every time I see it, I'm like, "Oh, Joe! <laughs> oh, Joe! <laughs> it's gonna be a good episode."
1: I'm excited for next week now. I can't wait to see uh Ray Elvis Palmer wearing an Elvis wig and a oh. honky tonk man jumpsuit and saying, "That's all right, honky tonk mama," or oh. one of the other of the honky tonk man's hits that Elvis stole from him.
0: I'm gonna pompa adore this episode.
1: How dare you! <laughs> what? Oh man! All right. Is there anything else that we need to dis- to discuss? Is there anything we forgot?
0: No, I think we're good. I I just looked at the clock. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. It's a long show, everyone. Don't look at the clocks. Enjoy uh, uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rambling of two madmen who are delirious and drunk with power.
0: That's right, and this weekend you push the clocks forward, so you lose even more time.
1: Right, don't listen it. Don't listen to this episode uh, Saturday or Sunday morning at two a.m. because then you're just going to be in some sort of wobbly wibbly tibbly wibbly thing, and it's going to mess mm-hmm. up your whole life.
0: That's right, you're going to wig out.
1: Oh, <laughs> I think the. Uh, the reason that the wig stuff hits so close <laughs> to home with me
0: is because that Terry Funk picture.
1: No, no, no. He's wearing it. Jesse Ventura is wearing a tea cozy on his head. How dare you! <laughs> but when I was uh, do du- fulfilling my duties <laughs> as Leonard F. Chakarson way back then, there were rumors and innuendo that I was wearing a wig. That this wasn't oh. my actual hair.
0: How wrong they were. Uh,
1: And I always go back to uh, the David Letterman joke where people accused him of wearing a piece or having, like, a wig or something, Mm -hmm. where he would say, if I paid for this hair, don't Mm -hmm. you think I would have the world's biggest lawsuit on my hands?
0: (laughs) And Legends of Tomorrow is just turning into the skid on
1: that. (laughs) Right. Oh, boy. All right, everyone. Uh, longboxheroes.com, soon-to-be-named network.com. Closing out episode 387 of Longbox Heroes. 388. Oh, my goodness.
0: Mm, it's so big it might go into 389.
1: No, 388. of uh, Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
1: Boop! Boop!